Welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome this podcast, Dr. Alexandra Neopisi. Dr. Neopisi is a faculty member of the Gallaudet Institute. He's also on the staff at the University of Clavadoro. Dr. Neopisi joins us from Buenos Aires in Argentina, where he's an active surgeon and a very progressive researcher. Dr. Neopisi, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be back in one of these great podcasts that were started many years ago. I'm pleased to be back again talking with you. Yes, you joined us in 2007 for a podcast. This is the chance to share an update with your pioneering research. So tell us a little bit about your studies. It's hard to go back to where we left in 2007, but many things went by. And it is interesting. I'll try to reconnect a little bit with that podcast because I think it would be interesting for the audience if they go back and see a little bit of the story and the timeline. At that point, we were starting to assess the feasibility of repairing the esophagus with uh, biomaterials, particularly the extracellular matrix, which is a matrix that provides the signaling to the surrounding tissue to remodel in an organized way. It improves the natural healing, and there are many podcasts by Steve Badilak or his team that you can refer to on how this material work. And in those early studies, the results were very encouraging in, in how we could help the native esophagus to remodel after injury, to repair after injury. So time went by, we did some patients where we were able to restore part of the esophagus with this biomaterial and that is published, and that led to continued growing of interest in the field. But I think the most interesting happened that we were trying to replace the entire esophagus. That was our ambition at some point. And I think at some point it still is for some regenerative medicine approaches. But what happened is that we started to see that with the advancement of new technologies like interventional endoscopy and even regenerative medicine, we might be able to avoid resecting the esophagus and not needing to replace it. And I think that's the interesting thing. You know, when you foresee a future in science, you're very likely to be wrong because you never know how the biology is going to respond to that. And our goal at that point that was replacing the esophagus after resection, now it's more focused on how can we avoid resecting the esophagus. And there's much more emphasis, much more efforts towards not resecting the esophagus. And that actually has been accomplished by many groups, by our group in Pittsburgh with Blair Job, doing endoscopic resections of early cancer or Barrett. So when you detect these lesions in due time, now you can avoid surgery. And that trend in avoiding surgery led our regenerative medicine projects also to shift towards a paradigm where you would use materials to improve healing rather than to replace the organ. And when I mean improve healing, I mean, after endoscopic resection, you can use biomaterials to improve the lining of the esophagus 
with normal tissue because when you cause an injury to the esophagus, like in any tissue, you have a scar type of response. And you don't want a scar in the esophagus because it will lead to stricture and the stricture will prevent you from eating normally, from swallowing smoothly. So we want to prevent that stricture and that's where biomaterials can help. But again, deploying a biomaterial in the esophagus is not easy because it's like trying to stack a ball in a river, you know, the water will flow it out or will flow it away. So that is a big challenge for the biomaterials because now it's not a surgical device that you can suture to the esophagus, but you are trying to deploy it endoscopically. And Steve Badilak and his lab have made a tremendous work in getting these biomaterials in a gel form, which is thermosensitive. So you can have it liquid when it is at room temperature, but it will gel when it is at body temperature. So it will stick to the walls of the esophagus or, or you can inject it in the submucosal layer. And now there is active research going on with that and even understanding the very, very basic mechanisms by how this gel works and even to the nano level, how nanovesicles can really play a role within this biomaterial and Bodylac has been able to actually isolate these vesicles and use them as a, a singular treatment. So I think it's a very encouraging time to make a very strong combined effort between the basic science, the biomaterials, and the endoscopic therapy to prevent esophageal resections. So you're actually performing these procedures on a clinical basis now, is that correct? Well, all the endoscopic part is coming up because we are still getting this into the clinical grade and there are a lot of testing and approvals and things that need to happen before we can widely use it. Things, I think, have been a little bit delayed by the pandemic, but hopefully next year we should hear from the first clinical cases with these endoscopic therapies. So previously you've done some procedures using sheet material, is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we've treated some patients with that and, and we had some encouraging success. So that's what actually led our strong move towards the endoscopic because the, the, to be honest the indication for a sheet implant in the esophagus is limited because the prevalence of the cases that need that luckily they are low you know luckily for the patients because they don't need to suffer under the surgery so it's not very common that you need to replace that material so we are talking about a few cases so there's a limit in terms of how much damage there is to the esophagus with these types of procedures are applicable. Basically, as I understand it, you have to be able to remove the esophageal lining and not have any damaged tissue beyond that into the structure of the esophagus. Is that correct? That's very accurate, John. So you need to have the disease limited to the mucosal layer. So the esophagus has three layers, the mucosal, the submucosal layer, and the muscle layer. And the one that really needs to be intact is the muscle layer. In the very superficial part of the submucosal layer, you can have some lesions and you're still able to remove it. So the truth is that when you only remove the mucosa in a limited amount, it will heal on its own. 
But when you go to a larger circumference, or if you go deeper into the submucosal layer, that's where scarring issues begin. So as you marked it clearly, you need an intact muscle layer in order for these materials to work. Dr. Neoponsi, I understand you're doing some other types of procedures. Can you share those with us? Yeah, well, another condition that has also led our effort in interventional endoscopy is the treatment of achalasia. Achalasia is a condition that affects the lower esophageal sphincter, that is a circle muscle that it's in the lower end of the esophagus, and it works as a valve opening and closing, and it allows you to swallow and eat normally. So in achalasia, this sphincter is affected and it will not open, it will not relax. And the treatment for many, many decades was to cut that sphincter surgically. And that was uh, open surgery at the beginning, then laparoscopic surgery in the last few decades. But in the last few years, we have started performing that endoscopically, entering into what it is called a third space on endoscopy. And the third space is actually that submucosal layer that we were referring before. It's a virtual space. It's not a real space. So with the aid of fluid, we can actually make that space real. And actually, the hydrogel that we were mentioning before may play a role here in the future because when you inject fluid, it tends to go away. So when you put a gel, it might hold the tunnel for a longer period and it might make the procedure a little bit easier. But to go back to the procedure, we we make that space. I always tell the patient, it's like trying to rob a bank with a tunnel underneath. So you're not going through the main door. You're doing a tunnel and you go to the sphincter and you cut it. But when you go out, you just close the entry of the tunnel. So there's no suspicions that you were there. And that, of course, prevents the leakage of of the fluid into that third space or the chest. And that has really made a difference for the patients because the recovery for these endoscopic procedures is much faster. They use less pain medication. They go back uh, to their regular activities much, much sooner, and they have no scars. So there's no pain for the scars or anything. So we have adopted that. We were the first in Argentina to adopt that procedure. Actually, we are the only center performing that routinely, over 100 cases now. There is a large experience also in Pittsburgh with Blair Job, in Allegheny Health Network. They do um, a lot of cases. And that is something that has been adopted now worldwide, Europe, US. So I think it's a really encouraging time for interventional endoscopy. So what's the recovery time for these procedures? Well, it's one day admission, and basically the next week they are back in their routine work. And eating normally? Yeah, absolutely. They made a progressive restitution of normal diet. So they start with fluids and then soft food and then complete meals. But the truth is that they recover very fast. And I always tell my patients with achalasia that they are the most thankful patients of all the disease conditions that we treat. They are the most thankful because the very first night that they sleep at the hospital, they realize how good they feel because they don't choke with their own saliva. They can sleep all night. Patients with achalasia normally wake up two or three times during the night because their esophagus filled with saliva and it goes to their throat and makes them choke or cough. 
So the first night at the hospital, they sleep eight hours all together. And when they wake up, they just can't believe it. So you go to a room the next day and they are, I can't believe what happened to me. And if you add that to the fact that they go back to work the next week, I think it's pretty cool. Dr. Neoponsi, thank you for joining us and sharing an update in terms of your pioneering studies relating to esophageal repair and other types of esophageal issues. We wish you well and you continue your clinical work and your research. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Uganda Institute for Generative Medicine, for sharing this podcast series. Until we meet again, thank you for listening. <laughs>